Welcome to the Mindful Birding Podcast, bringing you conversations and insights on the health benefits and joy of mindful birding. Brought to you by the Mindful Birding Network and your co-hosts, Holly Merker and Holly Thomas. In this episode, we're featuring various voices from around the world of people who share what mindful birding means to them. First up, we have Alex Harper of Las Vegas, Nevada. You may know Alex from Red Rock Audubon or Bird Las Vegas Tour Company. After Alex, we have Dr. Barbara Patterson sharing. Barb lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, is a recently retired college professor who is deeply involved with the Mindful Birding Project at the University of Colorado's Health Harmony Cancer Center. Dr. Joe Blanda's segment follows Barb's, and Joe is a recently retired orthopedic surgeon from Akron, Ohio, who prescribed nature to his patients. In this piece, Joe shares his heart. Bridget Butler of Northern Vermont shares next, though you may know her as the bird diva, the person who's leading the edge in the practice of slow birding. After Bridget, We'll hear from Faraz Abdul of Trinidad and Tobago. Faraz is a birding guide, writer, photographer, and so much more. We are grateful to these Mindful Birding Network members for sharing what mindful birding means to them. We hope you enjoy. My name is Alex Harper, and I just returned from my 20-minute daily morning walk in the bustling city of Las Vegas, Nevada. I often start and end my day following this routine to get outside, move a little, get sunlight, and sense the birds around me. I was asked, what is mindful birding? Here is my best answer. Mindful birding can resemble practices or approaches to experiencing, observing, or listening to birds in the ways that mindfulness practices move us to experience anything that can be noticed. It's a style or perspective that has little to do with the seeking out of birds and more to do with the acceptance of whatever you can notice about birds. There's a different quality of experience that can lead to contentment, curiosity, and wonder that can not only help us to learn our birds more, but to further connect with them or greatly improve our emotional states. I came into birding with a nearly insatiable desire to list birds and seek them out. In that process, I did learn a lot about how to find or identify birds pretty well. But independently of my practice of birding in familiar or traditional ways, I began practicing mindfulness routinely a few years ago to help me manage my emotions and organize my thoughts. During that process, I discovered just how complementary mindful meditations or practices can be with listening to or watching birds. This has helped me to change my relationship to birds and has helped me to shift my perspectives into healthier patterns of thought that have benefited me immensely. Mindfulness practices can be done by anyone, anywhere, just as birds can be found in nearly all places. Coupling the two is taking a healthy mental posture for experiencing the world with a group of attention-grabbing organisms that we can sense, contemplate, and relate to. Mindful birding is a combination that so far has led me down a path 
of moments of happiness and connectedness to this world that continues to expand the more that I experience it. It's something that has brought me more well-being and I am eager to share these practices with others. The creation of the Mindful Birding Network is right for this moment. Hi, I'm Barbara Patterson. Thank you for inviting me to talk on the Mindful Birding Network podcast. This has been a really great opportunity for me to reflect on my journey and to think about where I am now. It feels like there have been three important lessons in my life. I think I started mindful birding when I was eight. We lived next to the Horicon Marsh National Wildlife Refuge in Wisconsin. My dad loved to get us outside, and we had six kids, so he would just throw us in a canoe. Well, not all six of us, and he didn't throw us, but it was my turn. We decided to try to paddle to Four Mile Island. As we got closer, we started hearing a riot of birds croaking, and soon we were within eyesight of the largest great blue heron rookery, also called heronry, in the state. The sky was covered with herons soaring above hundreds of tall trees, completely stripped of bark, covered in guano, which looked like speckles of white paint, and loaded, just loaded with huge four to five foot nets. It was like Jurassic Park meets Disneyland, and I was in love. I continued to spend as much time as I could outdoors and studied natural resources in college. Because of my childhood experiences, I thought that students should learn outdoors. So I wrote a two-year field experience program for forestry and wildlife students. What I learned was that students that struggled in school, had learning disabilities or other challenges, were successful when they were learning hands-on skills and gaining the benefits of the outdoors. In addition to the skills they learned, they developed a sense of stewardship in the environment. So lesson number two, I was learning about the healing power of nature and guiding students to love and appreciate the beauty of all ages. But there was one piece that was missing. Most of the time I spent in the outdoors was actively hiking, biking, or finding a mountain to climb. I was teaching a mammal tracking class for Wildlife Research Project when I discovered the books written by Tom Brown. I later enrolled in the Kamana program and completed Seeing Through Native Eyes, another program by John Young, and learned how to experience nature in a completely different way. I started doing sit spots and learning about bird language. It changed me. I could sit still, relax, and pay attention to all the small details that I had been missing. I could focus on a bird pecking at a seed, tipping its head back to swallow a drop of water, or watch a bird give an alarm call to warn its companions. These three experiences define mindful birding for me. I continue to experience nature differently. I still practice sit spots. 
I've incorporated indigenous knowledge into my courses. I teach a wilderness awareness class, mindful birding workshops, and I authored a book on mindful birding for cancer patients. So whether I am paddling a canoe, teaching a class of students, or sitting in my backyard, I can relax, focus on the details, engage all my senses, and learn what nature has to teach me. Sigurd Olson, a naturalist from the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, said, Nature in all its aspects, and my relationship to it, is and always been my guiding light. Thank you, Sigurd Olson, and thank you for letting me share my story. Greetings. I'm Dr. Joe Blanda, a recently retired orthopedic surgeon. I'd like to share with you what mindful birding means to me. Slow birding provides me an opportunity to be in the present moment, witnessing the magnificent beauty of birds. This passion, whether it's in my backyard, out in a nearby park, or sometimes in a wilderness area, helps maintain my mental and physical well-being. All I have to do is slow down, breathe, and open up my senses to the wonderful world of birds. I find it so inviting to slowly observe avian movements, colors, and feather patterns. Being present in the surroundings of birds temporarily invites me to put aside my to-do list, calm my mind, and better control negative thoughts such as my eco-anxiety. Mindful birding reminds me that the world doesn't revolve around me. I'm only a tiny part of this planet, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to conserve what brings me such pleasure. Mindful birding is part of my self-care, and as a physician, I see it just as important as exercise and proper nutrition. From the volumes of scientific research, we now know this mindful exercise, or as Holly Merker coined it, ornotherapy, can result in physiologic reactions in our bodies that can not only bring peace and serenity to our minds, but also strengthen our immune system, cardiovascular system, and other essential body systems. After I became more comfortable with this mindful exercise, and learned about this research, I shared it with my patients in my orthopedic practice, many of which were suffering from anxiety and depression from their chronic pain. I saw firsthand that mindful birding could be an integrated part in the well-being of my patients. I was once a more traditional birder, and I enjoyed that. I still do. In 2016, I lost my 19-year-old son to brain cancer. Boy, it was a tough year after that. A dear birding friend encouraged me to do a big year of birding to raise money for cancer research. That turned out to be a transformational experience in my life. I found myself more attracted to a slow-paced type of birding, taking in the wonders that birds provide for us. During that time, it became easier to accept the grieving process, to deal with depression, 
and to start to recover from my loss. I experienced a growing comfort with this slow-paced observation of the beauty of the birds, their magical movements, and the wonderful bird song. I found more joy in this type of awareness of birds as opposed to the sometimes stressful, fast-paced pursuit of getting the next bird. Becoming a more mindful birder has improved my overall wellness. Slow birding draws me to be outdoors more often, even sometimes combining it with green exercise. I'm also more productive with paperwork if I'm sitting facing my bird feeder outside my office window. I'm so grateful to have become connected with the Mindful Birding Network to share our similar experiences. From our gatherings, I get ideas on how to help others enjoy this healthy activity. Becoming more mindful of birds has also made me more aware of their challenges to survive. Birds and nature helped me heal, so I continue to do my part to help nature heal and give future generations the opportunity to enjoy the beauty and health benefits that birds provide for us. Try it. I'm sure it can do the same for you. Hey, this is Bridget Butler, a.k.a. the Bird Diva. Um, I live in northern Vermont, and I have a small business where I do outreach around nature connection and birding, especially slow birding. And I am sitting here right now in the afternoon on the edge of a swamp um, that is covered in beautiful snow. And I'm sitting here listening to the birds and contemplating this question from the Mindful Birding Network. What is mindful birding to you? And when I think about that, I just, I kind of have to grin because I came into mindful birding through my own evolving and shifting practice of birding. Um, I had been um, teaching and speaking on my slow birding practice um, for a number of years, and I kept hearing from people that it reminded them of meditation or things that they were experiencing in yoga class or their own mindfulness practice. And I really didn't have any experience in that area. And so it made me really curious about what they were experiencing and how it related to my slow burning practice. And so some of the core things that I do birding is I like to sit in one place for an extended period of time on a regular basis. I call it my sit spot. And I kind of just accept what comes, what shows up. And it's really about kind of connecting with the birds that are the frequent visitors there and the, and the land. The second thing that I really wanted to kind of shift into doing more that really took a forefront in my slow burning practice was just noticing birds, not even really identifying them, but just noticing birds doing bird things. So kind of being in the moment with those birds. And then the last thing that was different in my slow burning practice than from my traditional practice was um, letting go, letting go of listing or chasing or, or even some of the, the field work that I was doing. And so I was really beginning to connect with birds and the land and myself 
And it was becoming this kind of relational thing rather than, I don't know, what I had been experiencing before. And when I finally started to read about mindfulness and take a couple courses in mindfulness, I just, the light just turned on and it was like having some words for what I had been experiencing for all these years. Thinking about John Kabat-Zinn's work and the seven attitudes of mindfulness, you know, non-judging, patience, embracing beginner's mind, trusting, uh, the non-striving, uh, kind acceptance. And of course, like the letting go piece, like there's all those things that were coming up for me. And so mindful birding to me is now mashed up in my own practice. And it's, it's really kind of this being in the moment, letting things unfold, uh, being accepting of whatever comes and, um, being open to birds, land, and self. That's what Mindful Burning is to me. Thanks, Mindful Burning Network, for this opportunity. Hi, everyone. This is Faraz Abdul coming to you from Trinidad and Tobago. And it is a real pleasure to be able to contribute to the Mindful Burning Network. And my interpretation of what does mindful birding mean to me is something that got me thinking for quite a long time. Now, mindful birding is a is such an enriching practice and it's an integral aspect of what can be the most important journey of our lives. And when I say that most important journey, I'm talking about the journey of life itself. There are so many things that we can learn if we make mindful birding a part of our repertoire of activities. One of the main reasons I love it is because it takes no skill, special talent or effort. Plus, it can be done anywhere at any time. You see, there is no um, prerequisite condition to practice mindful birding. I always tell people that you don't have to know the birds' names to enjoy them. I like to think of it as crossing someone on the street, a complete stranger. As you cross paths, you both lock eyes and share a moment. They smile, you smile. You both move on and possibly never see each other again. But for that moment, it was pure joy. No inhibitions, no thoughts of what to say to this person. Just that split-second moment when you both shared that slice of time and space. I find that with birds, it is very much like that. When you give the interaction itself, the space it needs to take whatever form it must take. Now, I mentioned something just now. Um, I said, no thoughts. And uh, this is this is important to me. And it seems a bit counterintuitive as we're talking about mindful birding. For me, it really is that though, getting a, a, a bit out of my mind and not having not having my mind itself dictate anything within me. Mindfulness and birding is essential to slow down and quiet the mind, as within these practices, we bring our attention to the nature around us and this helps us to ground ourselves and settle. And now, it is a matter of rejoicing in the same moment as the birds we enjoy. They are also living in the absolute present, and so we must, too. 
if we are to have any opportunity to share a moment with them, much like the stranger on the street scenario I presented earlier. For me, slowing down, slowing down in nature also brings about an awareness of much more than the birds. I love the smell of the first rain after a long dry spell, for example. Many times I close my eyes and lose myself in the soundscape, as the sense of scale you can fathom from deep listening is incredible. I love mindful birding particularly because it helps me to sink into the environment. When this happens, and I start letting birds come to me instead of going to them, appreciating all that surrounds, from a seedling in the dirt to clouds dancing overhead, the roar of crashing waves and the rustle of leaves in a brisk wind, I arrive at a place that I feel so deeply. It's a place of peace, and I feel incredibly loved by all of those things, and I can't help but, um, but love them back, if there is indeed such a thing. Thanks again, guests, for those deep shares on this beautiful practice of mindful birding. Now bringing you some mindful birding nerding, the science segment where we'll explore the growing body of scientific evidence on the health benefits of birding, time spent in nature, mindfulness, and other related topics. We've all probably heard the adage, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But it may also be true that a little bit of birdsong is just what the doctor ordered. Today, I'll be taking a closer look at an article recently published in Scientific Reports titled, Birdsongs Alleviate Anxiety and Paranoia in Healthy Participants. The researchers investigated the impact of different soundscapes, either urban traffic noise or natural birdsong on mood, feelings of paranoia, and cognitive performance. The way the study was set up was, the participants filled out a questionnaire indicating levels of depression, anxiety, and paranoia, and took a brief test of cognitive function. They then were exposed to six minutes of either low or high traffic noise or low or high bird diversity soundscapes. After listening, participants filled out the questionnaires a second time and retook the cognitive function test. The researchers found no significant differences in cognitive function, and not surprisingly, they found that traffic noise increased indicators of depression. But interestingly, the high-diversity birdsong soundscape significantly lowered indicators of depression. And both low- and high-diversity birdsong soundscapes lowered levels of anxiety and paranoia. All this with only six minutes of birdsong. In their discussion, the authors suggest birdsongs might be implicitly associated with a vital natural environment, divert attention away from internal and external stressors, or could signal the absence of acute threat. The researchers then go on to discuss the possibility of treating clinical or subclinical anxiety and paranoia with soundscapes, including birdsong. So with just six minutes of birdsong, people found they felt less anxious, and if they were exposed to a high diversity of birdsong, they also felt less depressed. 
If you think about that, it's pretty amazing. Birdsong may tell us that we are in a healthy landscape. It may help soothe our minds away from stressors. And just a few minutes of listening to birds may signal our nervous systems that it's okay to relax. For more details on this publication, please see themindfulbirdingnetwork.com for information on the authors and their affiliations, as well as a link to the entire article. In future podcasts, we'll be diving deeper into scientific studies exploring the well-being that comes from observing birds and time spent mindfully in nature. Until next time, I'm Holly Thomas, signing off from Mindful Birding Nerding and introducing you to another feature of our podcast. The Joy of Birdsong Since we know that just a little birdsong can lift your mood and bring some joy into your life, birdsong will be part of every Mindful Birding podcast episode. Today's birdsong features Chris Benish, a professional birding guide with field guides, who recounts a mindful birding experience followed by a recording from the field. It's not a full six minutes, but it may get you on your way to an uplifted day. On a quiet fall morning in the Sierra Nevada of California, I was enjoying the quiet peacefulness of the setting. Wind moving through the trees. Few birds were vocal. Out of the quiet, the whistled calls of a Townsend solitaire started up, soon followed by a spontaneous burst of song that lasted half a minute. A joyous feeling came over me hearing such a melody on this quiet morning. In the next episode, we'll be hearing from people who practice mindful birding and hearing about how this makes a difference in their lives, teasing out some of the benefits that mindfulness practice holds for our well-being and the connection with mindful birding. Don't forget to check out our website, themindfulbirdingnetwork.com. Become a member, it's free, and join our growing flock of people interested in mindful birding. Stay up to date on our next gathering, our blog, and mindful birding events from around the world. And you can follow us on Instagram, too, at Mindful Birding Network. We look forward to sharing time with you in future podcasts. And until then, we wish you happy mindful birding. <laughs>